It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. We're on, baby. And Sam. You like telling people they suck. Diamond in the Rough podcast, episode 17, MLB Draft 2017 recap. Dan Collins, Sam Ostrowski, wonderful listeners that are tuning in right now. Thank you so much. Special shout out to an Ed Casey and Sean O'Leary who gave the Twitter some love. If you're interested in giving our Twitter some love, at Diamond Podcast. Facebook, if that's your social media platform of preference, Diamond in the Rough podcast, email, send us some notes, what do you want to hear about, are you interested in talking more draft stuff, MLB, minor leagues, college world series, you can do that, Diamond in the Rough podcast at gmail.com. A couple guys you thought might have been the one-two punch, is it going to be McKay, is it going to be Green, is it going to be Green, is it going to be McKay, it ends up being neither... Sam Ostrowski, it's been a long time you are joining me via Skype, few miles south down the road, plenty, plenty, plenty of things to talk about. Oh yeah, there is, you know, it's it's almost upsetting, we've missed way too much baseball, way too many prospects coming out and leading the league in home runs and such, and Cody Bellinger, and Aaron Judge, and there's so many more guys to talk about, but this episode right here, since we're a little behind on it, we're going to catch up and we're going to get all our recap of the MLB draft, and you said it right there. The first overall draft pick, even the last episode we talked about it, we said, oh, who's going to go first? Is it going to be McKay or Green? We didn't even bother to bear the question of, well, could it be someone else? And that was thrown out there by some analysts. You know, well, you never know. It's not a total lock, if you want to say that. And sure enough, the Minnesota Twins come out and draft Royce Lewis. The shortstop, the high school shortstop out of California. So I got to say, yeah, I am surprised, Dan. Of course, I think everyone was. That's a, a safe thing to say. But I don't mind the pick. Do I think it was the best pick for the Twins? No, because as we went over the last episode, I believe that was McKay. You believe that was Green. I think we're still holding holding true to those thoughts, correct? In a sense, you know, I think that the 2017 draft results – almost changed my opinion a little bit. I First off, three straight high school picks, which was, which was a little interesting. And the guy that goes four behind three high schoolers, Brendan McKay, is the top college player in the NCAA. He's a top college guy. He's a fantastic two-way player. And he gets, he gets put behind three high school players, which to me... If you're Minnesota, if you're Cincinnati, if you're San Diego, those three high school picks, respectively, they better pan out because you passed up on the best college player in the land today, the best two-way college player, and while his College World Series run with Louisville is over, TCU putting an end to that last night, he's played on a pretty big stage, he's went to Omaha, He's playing against better talent, 
and three straight high schoolers before him, could all those guys turn out to be fantastic talents? Absolutely. Did he get a little snubbed in the very front end? Not necessarily, but it's shocking to me that even though I did go with Green to begin with, I still thought McKay, by a landslide, had to go number two. Nobody else would have, you know. And then, you know what, if Minnesota ended up going for McKay, I thought Green had him, especially going more and more toward the beginning or toward the start of the draft, right before it, it, it went, right before it took off. I was even inching a little bit more toward McKay. But to have him fall all the way down to four, it makes me wonder because the question becomes, what exactly was it that the three previous teams didn't see, especially when Minnesota went ahead and still selected a position player? I could see maybe if pitching is what they're looking for. Hunter Green most likely going to be a right-handed pitcher instead of a position player. Mackenzie Gore, left-handed southpaw. Okay, fine, I see that, but... Royce Lewis, unless Minnesota really just has a thing for shortstops, that kind of a player, there's a lot of awesome shortstops, young, awesome shortstops in the game today. Maybe that's the route they wanted to go. But the best college player, two-way guy, who's just got done playing in Omaha in the College World Series for Louisville, all the way down to four. Very shocking, all things considered. Oh, shocking indeed. But I think, you know what, I don't think it's necessarily that the Twins overlooked someone like Green or McKay. I think what it came down to was, one, the Twins, although they're they're competing this year, and you imagine they're maybe only a few years out from re- maybe really competing, so... They're competing for a weak division title and nothing right. more, necessarily. Right, although, right. Hey, you go to the playoffs, anything can happen, but they don't have a strong enough team to compete for a championship. Right, right, exactly. But Royce Lewis being a shortstop, I think that had a lot to do with it, and... I also think what had a lot to do with it is that the Twins really need some more uh, top-of-the-order bats, someone to lead off the game, and that's exactly what Royce Lewis is, along with his defensive ability. His defensive ability isn't outstanding, I wouldn't say, but it gets the job done at shortstop, and that's what you need. Uh, Dan, we've talked about it before, how important shortstop is uh, as far as defensively, and I imagine that was a big deal for them, and clearly a scout went to California, watched Royce Lewis, and said, this is the guy. Because I feel that's how it goes usually with a lot of these number one picks, is once you see him, you know him. And they must have saw Lewis, and, you know, they saw something they liked. I almost thought, I almost thought, someone like Mackenzie Gore might go first, uh, which, by the way, was a great pickup for the Padres. And, of course, I believe that the Tampa Bay Rays got the best deal in the top five, taking Brendan McKay number four. Um... But, you know, to be determined on that. So, I will say this. I get it. I understand why the Twins went Royce Lewis after looking more into it. But, do I agree with it? Eh, maybe not necessarily. That's kind of where I stand with it. More athletic, Royce Lewis is. And perhaps going to turn out to be a better hitter. Maybe. Way too much time. A better contact hitter, definitely. And, like I said, more athletic. The position being shortstop and I'm going to tell you this, McKay being the two-way player that he is, you can throw a 90-94 mile-per-hour fastball, take that for whatever you will. Maybe some team said, you know what, if we do draft him, it's a good problem to have, but what do we really have here? Do we have a pretty decent hitter? Do we have a pretty decent pitcher? Now, if you put those together, he automatically is a hot commodity, but at the end of the day, we probably only want him to be one or the other. And if he's going to be one or the other, 
if he's going to be the pitcher for us, are there better pitchers available? If he's going to be a hitter for us, a position player for us, are there better hitters, position players available? And then, so I think just the back and forth conversation there and the scratching of the head is what, I don't want to say ultimately dropped him down the boards, which, hey, still got drafted within the top five, so that's some pretty good signing money. If mm-hmm. uh, I can do the math correctly, more than I make in a week at least. But yeah. I wouldn't doubt if that definitely had a factor to play in it. Uh, I think so. I think too many questions, kind of put it in a nutshell like that. Yeah, that makes sense to me too. Uh, but look, we know the Twins, they all got great talents. We know that. We know the Reds, Hunter Green's going to be someone to watch out for. They really all are. Brendan McKay with the Rays. And how's about Kyle Wright going to the Atlanta Braves? If there was, out of the entire first round, if you were to ask me what team got the best fit, I think I might say the Atlanta Braves with Kyle Wright, just because the Braves already have one of the best farm systems in the league. We know that. Some might argue the best. But particularly, their pitching is unbelievable. So to add another arm like Kyle Wright to the group that they already have, and especially the fact that he's a college arm, oh man, I think the Braves just took it to a whole new level with Kyle Wright. Most reliable reliever as a freshman for them and starter his sophomore year baseball nowadays is becoming we talk about this all the time more and more and more of a bullpen game extremely strategic these guys in the bullpen are ridiculously valuable i'm not saying he's gonna become a bullpen guy can he be a starter who knows but the fact that he was a very reliable relief pitcher at some point in his career over there with the Vandy boys, and then can also be a starter, whichever one you have, if you decide you want to go to the starting pitcher route, which perhaps they do, great talent there. Hey, if maybe necessarily he's better suited for the bullpen, at least you know he's got the moxies for it, the stones. He could come out in the middle of a game, ducks on the pond, pressure situation, and fire away, because that's what you do need nowadays. Does he have the stuff to be a relief pitcher? Of course, a lot of these guys do. But a relief pitcher thing is, to me, a little bit less of what you have in the arsenal and more about what you can handle. So the fact that he was also a really good relief pitcher at some point in his career, a reliable one, that's a word you really want to hear in terms of a relief pitcher. And this is going to piggyback a little more off what you just stated, I think that's why the Braves got a really good guy here. When it comes to pitching, Sam, sometimes you have this philosophy of get the position players, one to get the young position players, get those prospects. You can buy the pitching. But every now and then, especially when you're in a certain situation, it's very, very, very hard. And I think you're going to agree with me on this, even though I'm kind of saying you're, you talk the opposite game sometimes. When you have somebody like that that your team can pick up, and depending on what position players you already have, you got to go with the arm then. Arms are risky. They're always risky. Uh, how these guys to go on the mound and just whip it for 20, 30-plus years. You know, these guys have been pitching since Little League and just firing away. Don't know how it's done. But it's very tempted to not take an arm when it is the arms at the end of the day that control the game. Right. No, I, I, I do agree with you. Of course, like you said, you could buy pitching, and that formula has worked for a lot of teams out there. But when someone like Kyle Wright comes, and you're someone like the Atlanta Braves, who has the time to take care of this kid and treat him right 
and brew him the way you want to, then okay, I absolutely say go for it. Then go ahead, draft Kyle Wright, draft the talent, and brew him up because then it could probably work for you. But other than that, I also think there's a couple other things I want to – there's so much to get to with this draft. I mean, particular even – I mean, there's 40 rounds, and we're just talking about the first round only. You know, there's so much to talk about. it. But another guy who I really feel uh, – Dan, you could – Throw one out there for yourself. Guys who really fit with the team, like a good selection for the team. Of course, Kyle Wright with the Braves. But I also think Pavin Smith for the Arizona Diamondbacks was a maybe one of the best picks in the draft. I would say top three at least for the team because he is one of the most MLB ready, along with Jake Berger. We had that conversation last time. And we'll get to your guy too, Jaron Kendall. We'll get to all about him on your most MLB-ready guy, but Pavin Smith, MLB-ready guy. That be the next name I mentioned, but go ahead with Smith. He is, I mean, this guy's awesome. He's a he's the the firecracker. He's, he's a redhead who's going to play first base, but that's the scary part because I don't think Paul Goldschmidt's going anywhere anytime soon, <laughs> but you know what? That's that's something Bring you... Bring the DH to the NL. I, I know, I know. Bring the DH to the NL. We I know. Conversation if that's the case. I know, exactly. I, I wrote about him, and that's exactly what I said, too. But regardless, Pavitt Smith was too good to pass up. This guy, I mean, I got to just pull up some of his numbers. Every season, he played three seasons at Virginia. He improved statistically in almost every single category every single season. So by the time he hit his junior year, he had – let me let me pull it up for you real quick. Go for he, it. He had improved in – Average on base percentage, slugging percentage, ISO, home runs, RBIs. Hold on. I've got more. I've got more if I can pull it up somewhere. No, I'm not going to be able to pull up the rest. But there's about five other statistical categories that he had improved on every single season. And the Dimebacks, of course, think that he's only going to improve any improve that much more so i think that's one of the most ready guys out there and also one of the the better picks for an mlb team as well so pavin smith good on you but we got to talk a little bit about jaron kendall don't we we do we do and just to touch a little bit more on pavin smith it's a left-handed hitter's game it's a lefty's game whether you're a hitter or pitcher always has been uh unless i'm going crazy i would assume it always will in this era, I don't know why I keep talking about baseball as in this era and the nowadays and this and that, but it is an evolving game. Sure, every game evolves, but baseball, maybe it's because I'm a little more in tune with it, just evolving right before our eyes. Still a little bit more of that traditional type of first baseman that you want. And, of course, <laughs> there's quite the first baseman to compete up there in Arizona, as you've already mentioned. But left-handed bat, big guy power can get you the extra base hits so you got they got themselves a slugger interesting considering they have goldschmidt hey maybe they're trying to tell us the d the dh is coming to the nl sooner than we might think i think they're just hoping (laughs) i think that's more what is diamondbacks are just hoping for it hey regardless he's in the system maybe you trade him away maybe you keep him maybe you teach somebody else a new position who knows but Going back to the other Vandy boy that you just mentioned, going to the Dodgers, who 
Last we checked and we opened the show with a pretty good prospect over there as well who's leading the league and leading the NL in home runs, something like that, I believe you said. Oh, yeah, that's right, Cody Bellinger. Now they have themselves a 5 tour, five tool player in Kendall. And 23 to the Dodgers? How, how did that happen? I, don't, I, I didn't quite – I kept sitting there and saying to myself when it was about maybe – Right after the Diamondbacks pick, so seven comes across, and I say, okay, Jaron Kendall probably coming off the board soon at the top ten. Then he got past the top ten. White Sox come up at 11. I say, White Sox for sure taking him. They take Jake Berger, still a good pick, I think, by the way. But I was shocked by it, and then it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going. I'm like, what's going on here? Jaron Kendall is still available. And then the Dodgers come and go, wow, you know, I'm guaranteed they did not think he was going to be on the board. By the time he came up. And then he fell into their laps. And the Dodgers must have just been jumping for joy. I mean, that's uh, the biggest steal of the draft, right? Jaron Kendall has to be the biggest steal of the draft. Well, beside Hazley from Virginia, the other outfielders... That's right, that's right. The other, Yeah, the other outfielders drafted before him, both high school guys. Joe Adele, who went 10, ended up being a top 10 pick, who you probably would have thought... Kendall would have ended up there. And then Ramos from Leadership Christian Academy, also a high schooler. And then a few more picks down the road, four more, as the Mets decided they wanted to go southpaw. Orioles decided they wanted to go southpaw. And then, oh, what do you know, Toronto wants to go shortstop. You finally get to the Dodgers and they go, oh, really? Okay. So either the other outfielders available, the high schoolers that went before him, uh, save Hazley. Uh, I guess maybe there was a lot more there that people were missing. Maybe Kendall, even with him being around, maybe you don't pick a pitcher, you pick him just because he's better value. I, th- so, something's missing here, something we don't know. All I could say is I believe Kendall's a pretty damn good five-tool talent. Uh, the Dodgers, who are in pretty damn good shape, and we're picking 23 that late in the first round for a reason because they're in good shape and they have a pretty good roster. And now they have how to me now it actually becomes a question besides it being a steal or not. Do you almost even rush him now up to the big league so he can play with this team? This is my theory here. One, I think not too quickly, of course, but right. I mean, the, the, the Dodgers are obviously one of the best teams in the majors right now competing for a world series. And I think they're well on their way to being able to being able to do that, and Jaron Kendall could help, but of course, I don't think he's ready right now. Um, I still, I do believe he's a steal. I will say this: I believe he's the biggest steal in the draft. I definitely have that label for him. But like you said, you're kind of touching upon it. It does make you a little nervous that all those teams pass on him, right? Because you sit there and you go, "Well, why? What is it? Is it just kind of a thing where?" He's not being drafted, so everyone kind of starts panicking and saying, well, why aren't they taking him? So we can't take him. There were a lot of pitchers. Maybe that's simply what it is. Like, if you want an arm, it's it's said and done. You don't care who's available. You want your arm, you get your arm. I That's a theory, If you unless you want to get into crazy stuff. Like, is there injuries we don't know about? Is there super poor pitch selection? Who not Like, there could be other things, character issues, which I don't think so. I mean, I there's... Not, not that we know of. Right, not that we know of. I, so, I mean, I'm just not going to go making stuff up here because 
from what we know, he's class act and groovy. So I am talented. So yeah, I the I don't know what the bigger shocker is if it's K going four or if it's Kendall going twenty three. You tell me. I don't know. There, there are plenty of shocks. I'm going to say Kendall is my biggest one, though, just because of how far he did drop. Um, so it, I mean, it, you sit there. It does make you a little nervous when that many teams pass up on him. But push that away. Let's just talk about what we know about the guy. You said he's a five-tool guy. He Defensively, he's a future gold glover. I, I really think he's a future gold glover in the outfield. I mean, this guy is awesome. And his speed, my goodness. He's a, a, a potential 30-30 guy if, if the power can come around. So here's the deal. Do the Dodgers really need him right now? No, of course not. Do the Dodgers need pitching? Yes, they do. Who could they put into a trade that could really get them someone good? Probably Jaron Kendall. So don't be surprised if Jaron Kendall is the first one from this draft to be on the move to somewhere else. You know, that that is a very interesting way to look at it. And... To that point, if you're somebody below the Dodgers who decided to draft a pitcher, why do you still not go for somebody who you would have thought was of more valuable? And then perhaps, for instance, I'm talking about the teams like the Orioles and the Mets, who I said just a few picks before the Dodgers decided they want to go with a left-handed pitcher. I'm guessing the Mets, they thought David Peterson... And the Orioles, they thought Hall was going to be better than if they were to draft Kendall and trade him. (laughs) Maybe that's the case. But, I mean, you still have to ask the question, well, wait a minute. What are these other teams doing that could have done exactly what you're trying to say? So, I mean, it, it it brings up a whole bunch of interesting possibilities. And only time will tell. Hey, only time will tell if Kendall will even be any good. (laughs) <laughs> you know, right. only time will tell if Kendall brings back a good haul if they decide to trade him, or if they keep, or if other pieces are going to fall. If maybe he's doing well and the Dodgers trade somebody else. I mean, there's so many things that could go on, and that's why people love drafts because question after questions after questions can be asked. Mm-hmm. And a question I would ask, I would want you to answer for the listeners, because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there. They've been hearing us talk about these names in schools and whatnot. And a question I think a less than average perhaps baseball fan would have when looking into the draft. It's something a lot different. The Major League Baseball draft is a lot different than the other three major sports in America. Oh, so much different. It's so much different. for There's guys in the first round you might never, ever see. If you're a top ten pick in the NBA, you're most you're at least gonna play. I mean, you're at least gonna be on. Oh, you could be an all star your rookie year. We've seen that the NBA is you know. I mean, Tom Thibodeau could be your coach, and you know how he goes with uh, rookies and stuff like that. You'll at least have a spot on the bench, you know. (laughs) Yeah, with him. Exactly. So, so many different questions that could be asked, and they're so different. But one thing that could stick out even to the average sports fan is how many teams in the first round invest in high school talent. It's well when it, I know when it comes to baseball, I mean we know we know the obvious big differences. They have to go through the grind of the minor leagues and that could take them up to four, five, maybe even six seasons, you know, especially for those high schoolers and I think teams really like it because they get to have someone under their wing. From the time that they're 18 years old, you are literally handing over as raw as a talent can get 
over to major league pitching coaches, major league hitting coaches, and they get to sit there and brew them the way they want, and nothing makes coaches more excited. So when it comes to drafting high schoolers, it's just too tempting when you see what you can make them because I think you almost sit there. On talent because you know the time is there. You know the development process is there. Absolutely. I almost think that GMs and managers almost have this, I'm going to go ahead and call it this irrational thought that, they could literally make him anything they want him to, which of course we know isn't true. You could, you could, you know, mold a guy into a lot of different ways, but he is who he is still. So, but I, I do you think that sometimes maybe they sit there and go, you know what, it's going to take a little while, but we're going to make him just like this. We're going to make sure that he becomes a breaking ball guy, even though it's fastball. We don't want him blowing out his arm. When sometimes you just got to let the kid pitch. I think you're on to something when it comes to a pitcher. I don't know how that theory lines up with a position player. That's fair. But uh, I mean, there's there's still ways with there's still ways you could mix around that theory, and it still makes sense. As in, it's at the end of the day, as raw as a talent as you could think of. I mean, fresh out of high school. I mean, for for you know stuff like that is very common overseas and Europe and stuff like that and the world of what they would call their football, for instance, let's just say England. I mean, heck, there's youth academies where kids, children are in soccer, well, I'll, one more, football, youth academies from a young, young, I mean, so that's like as raw as it could get, really. But when it comes to these United States, you know, the four major sports that we're used to, that's like pretty, are you ever going to see in the NFL draft? You'll see it in the NBA, of course. Maybe even in the NHL, you will, you will. But NFL drafting a high school player, get out of town. Just <laughs> well, just they're just physically not not able to do it. Physically, you can't play football at seventeen in the pros. And true, and it's not even fair to compare apples to oranges. But you still get a different excitement because you know that's a possibility in the, in the game of baseball because mm. of just different characteristics and what have you, and the type of sport that it is. Um, but I, I do think that, yes, obviously you're onto something. Um, you could control at that young age exactly how much they play, how they're playing, their their mental process, the maturity. You, you could try to harness it a little more. And, yeah, I, so I think that would be a good answer to the question for the common fan saying, hey, wait a minute, how are these last, like, seven out of ten picks or whatever it may be, high school players in the first round, I'm not used to, you know, a sport like this. Mm-hmm. I, think, uh, I think your theory, for the most part, while there may other, there's also a lot more that goes into it, and, I mean, we don't have enough time to do that, but I think you, you did a pretty decent job of hitting the nail on the head with a good enough theory, if you will. At the end of the day, We've talked about this. We've said this. We talked about the Max Scherzer video when he talked about it. I'll always say a high school talent is better off going to college to learn more. Um, But when you're someone like Royce Lewis, you're going to go first overall. I will never, ever in a million years blame him for going to take it. And, of course, when it's someone that's that raw talented, he still has the chance to, you know, really go out there and make a name for himself, even, even without going to college. But, Dan, if I can... I want to dig a little deeper into this draft one more time. There's so many names. We've talked about plenty of them. Too much to talk about. My question for you, and I'll answer as well, is who had the best draft? Maybe who had the worst draft? And 
Who's your biggest sleeper out there? You want? I'll let you you kind of tackle that one first, and I'll let you know. I've, I've got some some theories in mind here. I'll tell you this. You know what? That is by far the hardest question to answer when it comes to Major League Baseball because, as we just said, if you're a different sport and you you know your draft picks, you know what they're going to contribute right away right. At, the, at the top level. In terms of baseball, can you pick a winner and loser? Sure, of course you can, but you're not going to know who's right or wrong for the next three, five, seven years. <laughs> we legitimately won't know until 2020 who was like a – and even by then we won't know who the big, big winner was still. But I, I see what you're saying, but you know, we, we could play the game a little bit, I guess, still. We can. You know – it would be easy. We've already said something like this. If To me, in the situation we're in, if that's how you want to play the game, you can mention teams you've already mentioned. You can mention, to me, it would probably be a toss-up between the Dodgers and Arizona because of the talents they get. The Dodgers, <laughs> Kendo could be – he could contribute in a couple years. Next year, who knows? Or he could be trade bait. Then you have Arizona who – wow, look at this, you have another awesome bat at first base with Smith, and what's going to happen there? And and you're already a good team, you're a top-notch team, and now you get a steal of a prospect. Or you could look at it the other way around and say a team like the White Sox who are in a rebuild, and they get what a lot of scouts um, would consider the most major league-ready player in Jake Berger. So it's like, is a team on the rebuild and on the rise, and who gets a major league-ready player who's awesome are they the biggest winner? Or is a team that's already in contention not only for a division title, but a pennant or a World Series championship, if they get a steal, are they the biggest winners? Um, and then you also have to look at second round, third round, fourth round. There's so many rounds in baseball, and you say, oh, well, once you're past maybe the 10th or the 15th, like the odds of you getting into the show are super small. But, in this, but to that point still, you have to take – into account so many rounds because unlike other sports those late round guys while a lot of them won't make it there are a lot that will and if you even got steals in the later rounds because there is such a thing well well you know once you get past you know a certain number of course but there's so much to take into consideration and and how you want to do it but just for the sake of time hey i'll go with dodgers because they got the biggest steal and they are <laughs> in the running for they're they they're contending for a pennant well, so I'm, how, you know, it depends on it depends on your perspective, really. I'm laughing because you literally took the two teams I was going to throw out there. I do think the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks were two very two of the biggest winners from this draft. Uh, same thing. If I had to pick one team, though, I I might I might go Dodgers just because of because of the steal late in the first round. But they're what if Mark McKay is an All Star or Hall of Famer. Tampa Bay are the winners. Tampa Bay, but I was also – stop stealing the words out of my mouth, Dan. I was going to say, Tampa Bay, of course I already mentioned the Braves, but Tampa Bay being able to take him and also taking Drew Rasmussen, Drew Rasmussen in the uh, CBA round A, as we know, as everyone loves how the MLB so draft goofy. works. So goofy. It is so goofy, I know. But they took him. He was the first pick in the round A. And he's currently playing the College World Series. We'll have more to talk about him, hopefully, in the future to be determined on that. But Drew Rasmussen, I thought that was a great pick for the Rays as well. So I think they had a great draft. Can I tell you who I don't think had a good draft? Sure, why not? I think 
two teams kind of dropped the ball in my mind. Maybe, well, one team dropped the ball, one team I had too many questions about. I'll put it to you that way. The team I had a lot of questions about was the New York Yankees. There was just a lot of, you know, they've done, obviously, they have one of the better farm systems in the league, but they came out and they took Clark Schmidt from South Carolina with their yeah. first pick. You know, they needed they needed pitching. I understand that, but I really liked, um, really thought that they could have went David Peterson from Oregon, Alex Fado from uh, Florida. I really thought they could have went one of those guys. Or, hell, even Evan White from Kentucky. I thought he dropped a little bit to the Mariners. He went a pick after the Yankees selected. So I thought the Yankees kind of missed out on some guys. Florida and Kentucky boys, yeah, they went directly after Kentucky, Florida, respectively. Yeah, yeah. So I, that was a good pick by the Mariners. Uh, as long as he could start putting some power behind his bat, I think he'll be a, a good player for them. Um, but you know who I think really dropped the ball is the Washington Nationals. Okay. They come in with the 25th overall pick. And who do they take? They take Seth Romero. The biggest risk you could have take, taken. I get it. I understand he, he's a... You have to take risk. I know, and I get that. And I get he's a good talent. But, look, he, he was kicked off his team. He was playing for Houston this spring, and he got kicked off for an undisclosed reason, but he was suspended the month before because of supposedly you know some drug usage and not passing some tests, but then, they, of course, they wouldn't disclose the reason for his dismissal. Um, so, one, it just comes off as, and I know I everyone deserves second chances. I get it. So good on the Nationals to have given this guy a second chance, but to take him in the first round, I just don't see it. Well, it sounds to me like they they obviously believe, one, that he's a first-round talent because they got him in the first round. I almost want to doubt if they think he's a top-five, top-ten talent if he can get his act together. So you say, you know what, we're going to be the team that rolls the dice, gets his act together, gets his mind right because we have to bank on that. And if we do, we have a heck of a talent that's far superior than even a couple other guys that are drafted before him. That no, has to be the thought process. That, no, that's exactly the thought process. So I understand it. I'll say that. I get it. I know why they did it. But And his numbers were pretty good. He was, he was going to be, a, arguably, had he not get, gotten suspended, he kept pitching the way he was, he could have been a top 10 pick. Very realistically, could have been a top 10, top 15 pick. But And then it came out after everything went down last spring. It said every team's like a lot of teams, I should say. It was came out and said no one's gonna touch him in the first round, not a chance. And in walks the Washington Nationals, and they say, "We'll take him." And I get it, but I at the end of the day, I just don't see it working out for them, especially because they're looking for a closer right now. And I have a feeling that's what they're trying to do with Seth Romero is get him at the uh, you know at the end of games. But I just don't see it working out for them. I just don't. Uh, I'll tell you this, and I'll, I'll wrap up the show with this one. If you had to pick a loser, a lot of the teams drafted well. A couple head scratchers, but it's really hard to digest it in that way when there's still so much time that has to go by before you can figure out exactly what's going on here. Uh, but good job with your pick on the Nationals being a clunker, because if you had to pick a clunker, it would be them, even though... I almost applaud them for being the risk taker here and giving the second chance, and they're in great shape to also chase a pennant. But you do that in the later rounds, not in your first overall pick. Well, and that's why I said good. That that's a good selection as the team that that clunkered. 
but in the same time, I could still understand it. I, but I, I do totally agree with you there. If anybody else wants to agree or disagree with Sam, you can do so on Twitter, Diamond Podcast, at Diamond Podcast, that would be because it's Twitter, so you got to throw the ad in there, of course. Facebook, if that's the social media you like, that's the one I like, even though I do go on the, the tweeter a lot. I'm all then, about the tweeter. That's my, my forum. Then you could do that, Diamond in the Rough Podcast, Gmail as well. That's the email that we have, Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you to all the wonderful people who listened, will listen eventually, all the Twitters, all the Twitter likes that we get and whatnot. Feel free to send us a direct message or whatever you want to do. What did we miss? What did we do well on, but you still wanted a different way? Who knows? We'll deliver it to you however you want. There's so much so much more to talk about, but hey, it is what it is. Let's let them, hopefully we'll get some responses on this and I guess I guess Dan will will apologize for being gone for so long, but hey, life gets well, life gets uh, in the way, so This is the 2017 uh, draft recap show, but there's still sh- it's it's more as we go down the line with more shows, I mean, there's going to be more draft talk episode after episode after episode. You, know, you can't fit it all into one, so it's almost not even a trilogy. It's just a season-long thing uh-huh. with how we're going to keep going with this. Which is... there, we are against the clock, but there's still much more to talk about. Interviews coming up. We say it all the time, but we're trying to figure we out... We swear! We swear! <laughs> the best way to put those in there. But Sam... It was a lot of fun. I'm really excited about what we've got coming up. Dan, I think we have some awesome things coming up, and we swear that they are coming out sooner rather than later, which is also super exciting. So stay tuned on what we got going on, who we've got coming on, and there's going to be a lot to talk about. Like you said, we're, we're only scratching the surface with uh, some of these newbies who were just drafted. It's going to be some fun stuff. He's Sam Ostrowski. I'm Dan Collins. This was the Diamond in the Rough podcast. And there we go. Done. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.